Hey Online family, hey. welcome. We're in a series called Acting Up. And hey, our hope in this series is to kind of journey through the book of Acts and to look at it, not to play copycat, uh, but to really look at it as a foundation that we can leap off of and see what it looks like for God to move in our everyday lives. We hope you get a lot out of it. God bless you. See ya. All right, well, we're, we're in a series, we call it Acting Up. And uh, we are, believe it or not, we are coming to the end. And it's like this week, and then next week we're going to do something kind of wild and different, but it'll be the end of the series that we're, we've been doing. So acting up is, is walking through acts. And, you know, in, in doing it, one of the, 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 the major things that, that I've seen that we want to portray to everybody here is just that, that acts was not the end. You know, we're living in Acts. We're living in the continuation of what Jesus is doing here on the earth. Really, you know, what, what we're living in today was prophesied many times through the Old Testament. You know, you, you go back there and, and they didn't quite get it, you know, and, and it's called a, the mystery, which really wasn't revealed until, you know, the, Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and people got born again. That was the mystery. They, didn't, they didn't, couldn't comprehend it even. They were like, wow, this is so wild. People will have relationship with God. They'll be connected with him. And, and here's one of these glimpses into the day we're living in. In Jeremiah 31, 34, recently did a wedding. We read this verse. And it was so good. I thought, I've got to read this sometime in church. It says, no, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. Did you get that? They'll all know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I'll forgive their iniquity and their sin. I'll remember no more. Folks, this is where we live today, okay? Everyone in the kingdom can know God. Everyone, not just the priest, not just the king, not just the pastor or the evangelist, not just the, the master's degree holder from Life Christian University, although, praise the Lord, God bless you, Mark, but uh, um, every one of us can know God from the greatest to the least. He, you're important. You make a difference. All sins have been forgiven. In fact, he says, I don't even remember the iniquities. They're done. They're gone. You're a new creature in Christ. So we're free from guilt and condemnation, and we've been equipped, and we're able to go and demonstrate Jesus. Isn't that what it's about, folks? All right, so getting into our journey here, we've been following Paul and, and you know, some of the trials, and, you know, Pastor Stephen taught last week. It was a great message. If you didn't hear it, check it out online. Um, you know, we, we, we knew this, that, that Paul had in his heart like, like a, a glimpse. And, and, and over time, you know, the Lord confirmed it to him that, that he was to go to Rome and testify just as he had as he's done in other places in, in you know, largely in courtroom situations. But, but, you know, nonetheless, you know, God can shine uh, through you in that. In fact, we, we had a girl when Pastor Stephen was talking about that last week about, yeah, you know, he went up to the judge without any lawyer or anything. And we had a, a young single mom here in the church that had to go to court. And she, she just knew in her heart she wasn't supposed to have a lawyer or anything. She was going to go plead her own case. And it was amazing because she struggled for a couple years at least in this, this battle. And she went up there before the judge on her own and just pled her case. And I tell you, it just turned everything. God helped her. God equipped her. So I, I, when Pastor Stephen was preaching, I looked over at that person. I said, yeah, 
All right. God's doing it. So and we're going to pick up in chapter 27. I'm not going to read it verse for verse, but here's the basic gist of this story, is that Paul is on his way to Rome. And he's going there, there by boat. And, and what stood out to me, one of the things that stood out, many things did, but this is one, is that as I read the book of Acts, and actually as I read the Gospels, and actually as I live life, I see this point, is that life is, is just as much about the journey as it is the destination. You know, we're hearing all, you know, for chapter after chapter, last several weeks, we've been seeing how Paul's had this burning in him. He's going to Rome. And you think, wow, you know, this is the big production. Let's get to Rome and see it happen. But actually, life happens along the way. And, and, and I guess what I'm saying is this, is, is, you know, it's not wrong to have your sights on where you're supposed to be going, but don't forget to live life here. Don't forget to expect Jesus to show up in your everyday life. Don't, don't uh, neglect to see revival happening at the coffee shop, okay? You know, wherever it is you're going, I'm telling you what, God is with you, and he's there to demonstrate his goodness and love. So, again, in chapter 27, what we find is that Paul is on this journey to go to Rome, and on this journey to go to Rome, he... Uh, he, he ends up in some storm, a big storm. In verse 10, I'll just read this. He, he's, he, before they set sail, he says, Men, I perceive this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Now, how would you like to have this guy in line as you're getting on the plane? <laughs> Hearken, listen to me. I've heard from heaven. This, this voyage is going to be with, dis it's going to end in disaster. Not just the cargo, but our lives. But it says in verse 11, Nevertheless, the centurion, the guy in charge, was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable for winter, the majority advised him to set sail from there and, and uh, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete opening toward the southwest, northwest, and winter there. Uh, I'll tell you this as well, is that it's not always the majority you want to listen to, okay? Sometimes there's many voices out there in the world, but you need to tune into the one that's hearing God, okay? And honestly, you need to be the one who's hearing God. So as we go through this 27th chapter, you know, again, it's going to be the, the, the details of the storm that Paul finds himself in, that God, uh, you know, pre-warned pre him about, said, hey, buddy, there's, there's some, some rough roads ahead. You know, do you check in with your heart before you do major things? I mean, we do that. That's like a practice at our house. You know, do you got peace about this? You know, whether, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I usually don't do that going to work, but I tell you what, God is so big that if there was a, a problem, he would alert me. He would show me. He would say something like, don't go that way or whatever. There'd be an alarming, I know that, on the inside of me. Um, but we do that, you know, and it's been a habit in, in our life since we've been married. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I know our kids grew up with that. And, and my youngest daughter, Casey, in Portland, she was, she was famous for looking at Dad and saying, Dad, do you have peace about that? Do you have peace about that? It could be getting on a plane. It could be getting on a roller coaster. I don't care what it is. Casey would say, Dad, do you got peace about that? Well, now she's getting the peace on her own. She knows that she's got peace when she's going forward, and that's, that's how you want to live. Um, so I'm going to just go over again some, some, some truths about storms. 
And, and uh, did I miss any? No, I didn't. Okay, well, here's the first one. The first truth about going through a storm is this. God is not the one to blame for the storm. All right? Do you hear me out there this morning? You're going through a storm, and, you know, probably even as we're speaking now, people here or people watching online, you're facing a storm. And, and, and what I want to tell you is this. God is not the one to blame for the storm. In James 1.13, it says this very plainly. Uh, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Did you hear that? God is not the tempter. God doesn't tempt you with evil. He doesn't put things in your path to prove you and say, oh, can he do it? You know, oh, let's, let's see how far we can push him. God's not the tempter. He doesn't bring evil things to pass. The, the truth is this, is that storms happen to everybody, okay? Storms happen to, I, I might be jumping ahead of myself, but, but I'll just go there anyway. Storms happen to everyone People that are in the will of God, people that are out of the will of God encounter storms, okay? It doesn't mean because you're encountering a storm that you've disobeyed God or gone off the deep end or, you're, you know, something's wrong with you. It means you're a human being living on, a, on planet Earth in its fallen state, okay? The earth that we live in today is not the earth that God originally intended for his people to live in. If you want to know what that looks like, go back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and the first two verses or six verses of Genesis 3. You know, it's all before the fall and that's how God intended us to live. This world is tainted. God didn't say, oh, I think I'm going to make a world for my man to live in. I'm going to make tornadoes. I'm going to make storms. I'm going to make thunder and lightning that'll just scare him, that'll shake the house. No, he didn't do that. He created a perfect world, put his people in it, but through choices that were made that, that had disastrous effects on not only the people, but the world itself that we do live in. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus is speaking here, red letter words. He said these, these things. He said, the thief comes, not, but not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So he's talking about himself, Jesus is, and he's talking about whoever he calls the thief. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you life. That's different, isn't it? Jesus is not the one stealing, killing, and destroying. He's the one given life. You want to know what's, how to identify what's going on in your life? Is it stealing, killing, destroying? Well, don't blame God for that, Okay. Jesus didn't come to put that on you. Okay, that is the thief at work. There is a thief out there. It is the devil. He comes to rob you of God's best in your life. Be aware. James 1.16, back in James again, he said this. He said, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. So James was a pastor, okay? And, and a lot of things that he says, you know, in, in the, the writings there, they're like, I, I call it like the Proverbs of the New Testament because it's very practical. It's how to live out this Christianity that we have, that we've embraced. And he says this to the body there. He says, my brethren, don't be deceived. And he says this because there is a possibility for you and I to be deceived if we don't watch it. He's, this is what he says then. He says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It's from God. 
and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That is so specific. It is so direct. He says God doesn't change from day to day. He doesn't wake up crabby. He doesn't think, well, you know, I didn't have enough coffee today. I'm just going to do this. Man, throw lightning at you. God doesn't do that. There's no change with him. He is good. He's good every day. He's good all the time. So storms do come. They come because we live in a fallen world. Even the good people. You know, it says this in the word. It says that when it rains, it rains on the just and the unjust. You know, if we were going to walk out of church today and it was raining out, and there's a good chance it could be, you know, I tell you, the rain doesn't just specifically target, you know, any particular type of person. It doesn't say, well, you were pretty good today, you know. No, you know, uh, no, it doesn't do that. It falls on everybody. It falls on everyone, okay? So we live in this world where it rains on everybody. Storms happen, but we're looking at today some truths about the storm. Some truths to hold on to when you're going through a storm. And the first one I'm telling you is this, is don't blame God for the storm you've encountered. Second thing, and I'm not numbering these, I just happen to be the second thing here. God does not change in a storm, okay? God doesn't freak out in a storm. He doesn't lose power in a storm. You know, did you ever lose power? I lost it for three seconds yesterday. We thought, oh no. Oh no, the power is out. No. God doesn't lose power. He's got the backup generator in force. He never he never has to worry. Hebrews 13, 8, it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you've walked through the Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you've gotten to know who Jesus is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can rest assured and know this, that Jesus is the same today as he was then. What do I mean by that? I mean that his heart hasn't changed. His compassion hasn't changed. His want to, to help you in the situations you're in, has not changed. He's for you, not against you. Storms do not change God. The next thing I want to say is this, is that God does not leave you in a storm, okay? When the storm comes, some people think, well, where is God in all this? Well, you know what? He's usually right there in the middle of it trying to help you, okay? Uh, I've been there. I've been in what we'd call, we're calling storms. I'm not maybe saying literal storms today, although we're kind of referring to some literal ones, but I'm talking about the hard times in life. I'm talking about the times when the pressure is on. You ever been there? You ever been there? I guess if you're saying, yeah, it means you're alive on planet Earth. I've been in those pressure times before. I remember even looking at Dana before and saying, Dana, where is God in all this in our life? And I've had the advantage of living a few years beyond some of those trials, beyond some of those pressures. And I can look back right now and tell you this, that God was right there in the middle of it looking to help us looking to help us. I didn't feel like he, he was there. I didn't feel like, I didn't have a goose bump. I didn't feel like I do when I come into love church and, and all the anointings there and I'm feeling God's presence. But I'm telling you what, he was right there. In Psalm 46, it says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God is present when trouble comes. You know, the problem is, it's kind of like the fire department, you know? You know, if, if someone was just naive, 
They might, uh, you know, they might have been to a few fires in their life, you know. They might have seen a few fires. And they might have walked away and said, my goodness, every time I see a fire, I see a fire truck. I see firemen at that thing. They must be going around starting fires. You know, what's up? I mean, could, could you understand how a mentality like that could happen? God's present when there's trouble, but he's not there bringing the trouble. He's not making trouble. He's there to help you. He's there to take you by the hand and walk you out. He's there to put out the ladder and go up there and rescue you. You know, some people might even think that, that oh, no, the fireman's coming. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to let him take me. He's there to help you. God's there to help you. He's not going to make things worse. He's going to show you the way out. He's going to show you the open door, the open window, the way, the path to get out of the thing that you're in. It goes on in, in Psalm 46 in verse 2. It says, therefore, we will not fear. I'll tell you, this is something to realize, folks. You know, that God is there. He's present in the midst of trouble. That makes me say, I will not fear. Even though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea and the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, God is there. I'll not be afraid. I'll not be moved. Then the psalmist says, Selah. Now, that wasn't Selah. It was Selah. And what he's saying is, think about this. Meditate on this. Let this truth blow through you. You know, sometimes when you're reading the Word, the Word is a spiritual book. It's a treasure map to lead us to God, okay? And, and sometimes you need to let the words just kind of blow through you. You need to let them have their root in you. You need to let them find their home in you because they're there to do tremendous things and lead you to great places. So going back to Paul, he's in this storm, you know, in this boat in, in the middle of the waters, and he's, you know, the storm is there. I just wanted to point this out, that this was an epic storm, okay? It was an epic storm. And, and it was one of those storms that was so big that they gave it a name, okay? If you're reading in Acts 27, I don't know the verse, but there is a verse in there where they tell the name of it. The name of the storm was Euroclidon, if I pronounce that right. And I, I've deduced from this that it was probably the fifth storm of the season because it started with an E, and that's how we do it today, you know. But, but the main thing I want you to see is this, is that, that it was no little storm. It was a big storm. And, and uh, let me read here in verse 20. All of this is Acts 27. In verse 20, it says, And when neither the sun nor stars had appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. So this is the kind of situation Paul was in. Have you ever been there where it's gone on for days? This thing is relentless. It beats on you day after day. There's no escape. I can't even see the stars at night. I can't even see the sun. It, it's just blinded. I'm blinded from all of it. And, and it says they got to the point where they tried to look forward, but all hope was gone that this thing was ever going to end. That's pretty bleak. Would you agree? And, and, and even in a situation like this, this is the next point I want to give you, is that even when all hope is gone, God will speak to you in a storm, okay? Do you hear that? God will speak to you. You know, um, sometimes that can be one of the most 
important times to hear God. It can seem like one of the most difficult times. But when a storm is raging, you know, God is going to speak to you. And he's not just speaking, you know, any old thing. He's showing you the plan. He's showing you the way to go. Uh, in, in, again, Acts 27, 21, it says, After long abstinence from food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Now get this. Paul said, Man, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Uh, isn't the Bible real? Isn't it real? Doesn't it show the humanity that, that you know, I might have said something like that, but thank God it's not in print. You know, you know, it's like you're driving and you got lost. I, I, I knew you should have stopped and asked for directions. That's what I would tell Dana. <laughs> if I let her drive, no. <laughs> I'm not going to tell any stories. She is a really good driver. She's very fast. She's very good. I did wake up one time. I was taking a nap on a long trip and she was driving. I did wake up, and I happened to glance at the speedometer, and the needle was past 100. I said, glory to God. Yeah. <laughs> Drive on, woman. <laughs> I said, how did we get through three states since I took this nap? She goes, it's been good. <laughs> Where was I? Okay, Paul, Paul said... Um, Men, you should have listened to me. But then he goes on to verse 22. He says, Now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you but the ship only. Uh, for there stood by me this night an angel of the Lord God, of whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. So in the midst of a storm, God will encourage you. And, and, and in this case, you know, with Paul, an angel actually stood by his side and said these words to him. You know, don't, don't uh, belittle your situation and how God speaks to you either. I find that one thing God will show me in a storm, and I relate it to hear what Paul's saying, is he'll, he'll bring back to me things that he's put in my heart over the years or over time, and he'll show me this is still ahead of you. These are still yet to be taken. These are still yet to be realized. And this is what he did with Paul. He said, Paul, listen, ahead of you, you're to stand in Rome. You're to testify of me there. Hold on. Don't lose heart. Okay? God will encourage you in the midst of a storm. He'll speak words of life to you. He's not trying to hide the plan from you. He's trying to get the plan over to you. Are you hearing me this morning? In Jeremiah 33.3, you know, um, God's calling card, he said, Call unto me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. You know, that's what you need in the midst of a storm. You need to be told the things that you don't know. Okay? That said, you don't ever want to be a know-it-all, because if you know it all, there's nothing that can be told you. But God is so smart, he is smarter than me. He will tell you things you need in the midst of a storm, and he'll show you the plan that'll cause you to get through it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul was talking to the Corinth church, and he said this. He said, no temptation 
And, and let me play with this for a minute. If, and this is, you'd find if you look this up in the Greek, the word they use here for temptation could as easily have been translated as a test or as a trial. And that might speak to you more clearly. But what Paul said is there's no temptation, test, or trial that's overtaken you but that which is common to man. So one, I, I got to point this out. Whatever kind of storm you're going through, don't think you're unique. Don't think nobody's ever had it like this. That's a failing thought, okay? That's the kind of thought that can drive you down and keep you from realizing the plan God has for you. He goes on, he says this, but God is faithful. Can you say that this morning? Say, God is faithful. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So people have said all kinds of things about God and tests and trials, but if you take this verse, the only thing Paul really says about God in here is that one, he's faithful, and two, he'll show you the way out. He'll show you the plan. Now, when, when Noah was on the earth, how many know that when Noah was on the earth, it rained? And everybody got wet. Noah got wet. How many think Noah got wet when it rained? I think he got wet. I mean, he was righteous. The Bible says that about him, that he was a righteous man. But it rained and he got wet. But what set Noah apart is that he had the plan of God. And the plan of God, when everybody else went down, caused him to rise up. Did you hear me this morning? That's what the plan of God will do to you. In, in the worst situations, it'll cause you to rise to the top. That's what the plan of God does. So here, again, in a storm, things to remember, truths to hold on to. This is kind of a thing to remember. When you're in a storm, be single-minded. Be single-minded. What do you mean? I mean... Keep your mind fixed on Jesus. Keep your mind fixed on the, the, the outcome as God would have it, okay? Now, there could be more storms in the Bible that we could have looked at, but, but I'm just going to quickly, I'm just going to tell you these. When I was reading, there was three storms that popped up into my brain, okay? There's, they're, they're all in the New Testament. One, of course, is the one that Paul is in. You know, and, and the happy outcome of this is that they do get to the other side. But one thing that Paul did is through the storm, he kept his eyes on what God told him. He embraced God in the midst of a storm. Sometimes people make a mistake and they embrace the storm when they should be embracing God. Paul even stood up in front of what I would consider to be probably an angry crowd and said, listen, folks, after he even gloated and said, you should have listened to me, he said, but listen now, this is what God says. He brought and he declared what God said. So keeping your mind singly focused on what God has told you. Another storm was Peter. Uh, well, there was more than Peter involved. All the disciples were on a boat. And, of course, Jesus had, had lagged behind. They went on ahead. And what does Jesus do? He walks on the water to get to them. They spot him out on the water. And Peter, you know, don't you appreciate Peter and his boldness? 
Peter says, Jesus, if that's you, bid me come. Jesus said, come. Peter steps out of the boat. He walks on the water to get to Jesus. And all that was cool. I mean, I can, I, can you imagine the thoughts going through Peter's head? He's like, wow, I'm walking on water. But all of a sudden, the storm arose, or it was probably already there, but it, Peter's eyes went to the storm. And it says that he saw the winds, he saw the waves, he saw the storm brewing. And as he did that, he began to sink. And, and, and you see, putting your eyes on the storm will not benefit you like putting your eyes on Jesus. Jesus reached out. I love that part. He picks him up and says, let's walk together, Peter. That's what Jesus does. He doesn't come and make you feel like an idiot. He comes and takes your hand and walks you to the place you need to get. The third one that came up was uh, the other one where the disciples and Jesus were all in the boat. And the storm came up, and where is Jesus? You know, they're looking for Jesus at first, and where is he? He's in the back of the ship sleeping on a pillow. I love that. In, in the gospel I read, was it uh, Mark says that he's, he's got his head on a pillow. And, and, and uh, I like my pillow. Jesus liked his pillow, I guess. He might have took it with him when he traveled. I don't know. But in any case, he's in the boat, and he's sleeping sound. His head is on the pillow, and they're looking for Jesus and thinking all is lost, but he's, he's just chilling in the back with his head on the pillow. Sometimes I felt like that in a storm. I felt, where are you, Jesus? Are you sleeping in the back of the boat on a pillow? You know? But they got him up, and he rebuked the storm. All was, all was well. The storm ceased. And, and, and I want to tell you this, that he's with you, even when it doesn't seem like he is. Even when it seems like he's sleeping on a pillow, we need to put our eyes on him because he is bringing us through to the other side. So keeping our minds on Jesus. Um, I'll just say this. In, in Isaiah, it says this. He'll keep us in perfect peace. Who is that? Those whose mind is stayed on him. Stayed on him. Uh, one couple quick other points as we wrap this up today. Uh, when you're in the storm, don't jump ship, okay? In verse 30, it says, The sailors were seeking to escape from the ship, and they let down the skiff into the sea under the pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. Paul said to the centurions and the soldiers, Unless you stay in the ship, you can't be saved. What I'm saying this morning is when you're in the middle of the storm, don't throw in the towel, okay? Don't jump ship. Hold on to what God has spoken to you. Remember what God spoke to Paul through the angel standing by there? He says, I've given you all the people, you know, that, that, that are here in the ship. You're going to lose the ship, but you're not going to lose a life. And so Paul said, listen, unless you hang on and stay in the ship, you're not, I can't guarantee your safety. You're going down unless you hold on and ride this thing to the end. So don't change course. Don't change course because of a storm. And, and uh, one more thing I want to put in here, too. What do you do in the midst of a storm? Whatever he told you to do, do it. Okay? Whatever Jesus said to do, do it. Um, there's no pat answers. You know, it's not stand on one leg, hold one arm up, and then God's going to answer you. And, come on. Come on. Be real. Okay? God will show you, though, things to do in a storm. And whatever he says to you, do it. In, in uh, John's gospel, the first miracle that's recorded Jesus, Jesus performed was the, at the wedding in Cana. And, and if you remember, Jesus is there with his, all the disciples, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. And Mary held a prominent position in this wedding because when they were running out of wine, they came to her 
of all people. You know, I was just at a wedding yesterday, and they didn't run out of any kind of beverage, but if they had, they probably wouldn't have come to me because I wouldn't have known what to do. They'd have come to someone in charge. And, and uh, you know, just let me do this service and be done. I'm going to go eat, you know. But, uh, but anyway, they, they came to, to, to Mary. That's me. They, they came to Mary, and, and um, they said, hey, we're running out of wine. And what is Mary? Mary says something so strange. It would seem strange. But she looks over at Jesus, and she says, whatever he says to do, do it. And so then Jesus goes on. He says, I'll go fill these pots up with water and uh, bring them to the governor of the feast. So they, they did this. You know, they did it, and they brought it to the governor of the feast, was like the wedding coordinator, you know. And I, how many love the, the wedding coordinator at a wedding? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lizzie, yeah. Hey. So anyway, the wedding coordinator, they brought the, the water to them, and they tasted it. And the, these wedding coordinators, they can be tough, you know. It's got to pass inspection if it's going to get by them. And so they, they tasted the water that had been turned to wine, and they said, hey, you brought us the best. You brought us the best, you know, and the guys that were serving it were probably like, saved my job, you know. I brought the guy water, and it's been turned into wine. So they, they landed. The ship was wrecked. The people were saved. They landed on an island called Malta. And, and uh, I'll just say this, that once they got to Malta, uh, you know, the first thing you see then is Paul's making a fire. He's being a good guy, you know, like if you ever watch those shows like Survivor, Paul was doing his thing. He was gathering the wood. He was making a fire. He put some wood on the fire and a snake, a poisonous snake, comes out, fastens itself to Paul's arm. And, and uh, you know, then, then all the people see this. They see that Paul, who's been, you know, saved from the shipwreck, is making a fire and a snake is hanging off his arm. And all the people on the island judged him, said, wow, he must really be a bad person because look, look what's happened now. They're judging him. What Paul did then is he shook, shook his arm off, snake fell into the fire, and, and he lived. Then these same people that were judging him a minute ago said, wow, look at him. He must be God or something. He had a, a poisonous snake bite him, and he didn't die. He shook it into the fire. And, you know, Paul had to set him straight and say, hey, I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm not God, but I'm telling you this. As you listen to him, as you follow his plan, it might look like snakes are biting you, but I tell you what, he'll, he'll, come, he'll get you to the other end, and it'll be looking good. So... Then, then Paul, in his journey, I'm just finishing up this, this chapter, or this book, he, he, he gets brought to this guy named Publius. And is there anybody by that name here this morning? Okay. Thank God. What? <laughs> and Paul prays for Publius's father. And he needed to be prayed for after he named his son Publius. But no. <laughs> he was healed. <laughs> he was healed. And, and uh, revival broke out in the island. Someone was telling me after the first service that there's, it's, there's still a strong Christian presence in the island of Malta. And, and, you know, what Paul did there had lasting results. You know, again, this is just on his journey to get to where God had called him to go. You know what? And God wants to do great things through you. Don't be discouraged because of a storm, but hear God and rise up in the midst of the storm. You hearing me this morning? Preaching to me too. God is continuing the book of Acts through you and I, and I tell you what, there's great things ahead. Can I pray for you?
Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, for being real to us, being present even in the midst of storms. Thank you, Father, that you get us through to the other side. And we, we trust you. We make much of you. And we thank you, Father, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name. Hey, church family. Gary here. We want to talk about some of the ways that you can give. One of the ways you can give is with text messaging. So send a text message to 77977 saying, Love Giving. And then wait a second for the response. Click the link. Set the amount you want to give, whether it's a reoccurring gift, and then hit give. Another way to give is on the website. Go to www.wearelovechurch.com. Up at the top, you're going to see a word saying give. Click that. You'll see a button that says click here to give. So go ahead and click it. And then it's going to take you to a page asking you the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift. Go ahead and hit next and then confirm. Another way you can give is with the Love Church app. You can download it from the iOS store or the Google Play store. Once it's installed, just open it up. You'll see a button that says Give. Tap that. Select the amount, whether it's a one-time gift or a reoccurring, and then hit Give.